And our challenge is obviously going to be to get those, get that message out there. But you know, we were able to do that to a large extent in 2017. We're going to have the resources to do that now. If you look back over the, gosh, I guess almost 30, 40 year history of U.S. Senate races in Alabama, no one has really had the opportunity to get that message out except early on in 1986 and then again in 1996. And after that, they just haven't had the resources. We're going to have those. boys and girls welcome in to episode numero uno of alabama politics this week podcast with josh moon and david person i am josh moon and that is david person hey <laughs> there we know what we're doing all right we are excited about this one uh we have uh, a couple of really really good guests uh on this uh new podcast here uh senator doug jones is going to be with us a little while later for an extended interview um that really covers a a lot of topics and a lot of information uh about the state about his vote on impeachment about just uh you name it the, the whole state party debacle that took place that he you know played a major role in and, and, and reshaping that party and uh, kind of getting every, uh, things pointed back in the right direction, at least in, in my opinion and the opinion of several others. Yeah, um, we get down to the nitty gritty on that. Yeah, sure. yeah, we do. We, we get, and we confront the race thing on yeah, that, which I think is important. That's right. Yeah, I mean, David just went after him. I don't <laughs> I didn't go after. I, was, I don't know what else to say. It. Well, okay. Yeah. Well, no, it's no. It was a very. I thought it was a fairly friendly interview. Oh yeah, and, uh, yeah. I, I like Doug. Yeah, Doug's, 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 Doug's great. good people. Yeah, Doug's good he's people. Great. He's great. Um, so so hang around. But at the at the top of this thing, as we will do uh, every week, uh, we're going to kind of run through the state uh, here, break down some of the bigger topics that have been been taking place around the state over the last uh, week. Uh, some of the bigger bills. Our our legislature is in session. Uh, you could probably tell because there's a tug on your wallet, uh, <laughs> and and there's just a stench of corruption emanating from that uh, particular area of the of the state. And you know we have very few very few. Democrats down there now to, to combat any of that right, stuff. Uh, right. uh, but, you know, uh, so it was, let's see what was, uh, what was our biggest issues this week for the Republicans? Uh, well, they wanted to protect uh, civil rights monuments. Uh, civil rights monuments? I'm sorry. Civil War monuments. Yeah, there you go. They were not interested in the civil rights no. so much. Uh, so, yeah, they, you know, so... I don't understand. I don't understand this this need of people to to hold on to these monuments. Uh, you, we clearly know what they're for. We clearly know what these people did. Even even some of the the biggest supporters of uh, of holding on to the monuments, the people that introduced the bills, they will say publicly. We do not agree with what these people did. We don't agree with the slavery issue. We don't think that that was anything that we should be honoring. We don't. But that's what you're honoring. I mean, exactly. it, I don't. So so what? what is it that you're holding on to? 
if that's not what you're holding on to, and, and don't tell me it's history. If it's history, we could put it in a museum. Yeah, Everybody exactly. could walk by and see it, and you could have you could put it in the proper context and say this is what happened. These are how these people felt. It was the uh, prevailing attitudes of the times. You know, if you want to excuse away what took place there, but. We don't feel this way anymore. It's not the way people want to live, at least, you know, civilized, decent people. It's not the way anybody wants to live. So why are we still doing this? Well, I think we're still doing it because there is a tremendous amount of denial about the very thing that you stipulated at the beginning or at least alluded to at the beginning, which is that, um, you know, there is, in fact, I think, deep denial about the fact that. The Confederacy was established to protect the rights of states to own slaves mm-hmm. or, or, or people in states to own slaves. There's tremendous denial about that. And what I always do, Josh, is I point people to the words of Alexander Stevens, uh, his famous cornerstone speech. He was uh, vice president of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to read this. It's real short. He said, our new government. Now, he's saying this, you know, prior to the Civil War. Our new government is founded upon exactly the opposite idea. Its foundations are laid. Its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man. Now, that ought to be enough right there. But he goes on. He says that slavery subordination to the superior race is his natural and normal condition. And then as as, uh, for the coup de grace, he says this, this, our new government is the first in the history of the world based on this great physical, philosophical and moral truth. In other words, the Confederacy The bedrock of the Confederacy was white supremacy Mm -hmm. and slavery. Mm -hmm. So when I, as a black man, see one of those monuments, Mm -hmm. I'm outraged. When I drive down, as I did not too long ago, 65, mm-hmm. you know, between my between um, I think it's between Verbena and and Montgomery. Yeah. Oh, yes. um, and I see that that damn flag <laughs> waving in the breeze mm-hmm. there, that Confederate flag on private property. Mm-hmm. It enrages me. Mm-hmm. It enrages me. So my my and I think we ought to be outraged. Mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of people who feel you know, that we ought to be circumspect and mm-hmm. careful and judicious. No, we need to be mad as hell about the fact that we continue to celebrate something mm-hmm. as intrinsically evil. And let's just say, for the record, for the historical record, traitorous. Mm-hmm. Yes. As the Confederacy. Yeah, you know, and, and here's the here's the giveaway uh, on this and, and, and the giveaway of, of what this actually is, because if, if this was a, an issue uh, actually of honoring history, honoring, you know, what your forefathers were all about and that they were standing for states rights or whatever. Well, then you would think that the flag that they chose to represent that would actually be the flag of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. But it's not. Mm-hmm. The, that stars and bars flag is not the is not mm-hmm. the, the flag you know for, of the Confederacy was the, the Confederate States had three different flags none of them are that one that was the battle flag of one particular army and the reason why it is now represented as uh, of 
uh, of that time period, I guess, is because it was adopted later by the KKK. Yeah, that's 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 when that flag really yeah. came into prominence. Was in the fifties and the sixties when uh, the KKK started to run rampant around uh, southern states, and so that's what that's the origin of that flag and and what took place. And if you look back at all these monuments, all these monuments to that's history and things, yeah. uh, they didn't come about right after the Civil War. That's they didn't right. come about to honor these people. They're a hundred years later, most of them. Well. Uh, some of them 150 years later. You know, I mean, honestly, it's a ridiculous notion now that what you're doing is honoring something. What you're doing is you're poking people in the eye and you know that's what you're doing. Yep. Uh, and and I, and you don't want to let the black guys get over on you. That's mm-hmm. all it is at mm-hmm. this point. And, and we have people that are doing this for cheap political points because they're attracting morons to vote for them with this stupid stuff. And that has long been our problem here in the state is we will we can entice you to vote for us uh, because we're going to do this thing with monuments, and that way you'll look the other way while we take away your health care, tax you at a higher rate uh, than we do, even though we're making 10 times as much as you are, uh, and do all of these other things uh, that that aren't to your benefit. But we're going to do this thing about this ridiculous nonsense that plays to your fears and your racism, right. and we're going to take your stuff away from you. And I think the key thing is, you know, I think, Josh, there are a lot of people who are afraid they have been they have been conditioned to and acculturated to being afraid of people based on skin color Mm -hmm. and that has been passed down from generation to generation so that it's an automatic it's a reflexive response that when they see a a black person they immediately uh for many i'm not saying all but Mm -hmm. for many uh people in our state, I think they immediately kind of go into this this sort of biased mindset, this bigoted mindset because of fear. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it ta- you know, and I'm thankful for the fact, you know, as a black man, I have a lot of white friends who don't succumb to that. Yeah. And I'm so glad. And they've raised their children not to succumb to that. Yeah. I'm so glad. But that doesn't. But they are not. I don't know that they are predominant in this state. I suspect they are a minority. I in mean, this state. you know, the, some of the votes would lead you to to that conclusion. I, yeah. you know, I have some hope that it's not. And you know, and really, the way I guess the way we got onto this topic and the and the reason why this is uh, is a topic now is because there was a monuments bill passed two sessions ago, and yeah. now they are uh, attempting to uh, strengthen that to some degree by imposing a fine there that is per day because they screwed up the other bill so fast. Because <laughs> surprisingly, the monument this you know civil war monuments bill was not written very astutely uh, <laughs> shocking I know uh, and so it, the Supreme Court were, had no choice but to throw out the fine they actually should have thrown out the whole thing if they had any uh, any legal scruples whatsoever they would have tossed out the whole thing because of the way that thing was written it didn't impose a fine on anybody uh, for doing what the city of Birmingham has done because the city of Birmingham attempted to cover the the statue in Lynn Park uh, with boards and they wanted to tear it down my advice to them from the very beginning when they did this was tear it down All right tear it down and Dude, your column and about that was this. great, by the way. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I have to try. You know, it's, no, you did a good job. Yeah. Good I job. appreciate it. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm tired of of the nonsense of this. Uh, I'm tired of uh, of them doing these things. They, they let them find you. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, fine. You pay the fine and move on, or don't. What are you gonna do? 
You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm just I'm tired of that. And, you know, and, and there's because there are so many things that we we could be focused on at, that we're not, uh, you know, and, and and instead of, of doing those things, we get into this sort of nonsense. We get into uh, we get into issues. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, man, uh, covering the legislature on a daily basis. Exhausting, right? I mean, just from even from afar, because you know I've got mm-hmm. other some other responsibilities these days, and, and I don't make it down as much as I as I used to, and I, I, trying to keep up with the steady onslaught of people trying to get away with something, yeah. is nuts, and it, and it is uh, at this point to watch Republicans and that and our state legislature try to maneuver themselves to roll back the um, the ethics laws that they themselves wrote and put in place right, right, is, right. is really astounding. And and then uh, but let me just give you an example of of how they work. Okay. So we have a number of landfills in this state, right? Oh, I know where you're going. Mm. <laughs> so mm. these landfills, uh, according to the laws that we passed in this state uh, that mimicked EPA laws and rules, mm. uh, they have to, at the end of every day, they have to cover all the things that they put into this landfill with six inches of earth. Uh, that's what covers it. And because, well, the reason we determine that is because six inches of earth covers up all of these things there that you know, cause the smells, cause the, it attracts the animals, uh, creates diseases and all sorts of other situations that we don't want to be part of. And the reason we do this is because we promise this to the people who live around the landfills, who, right. who were living there before the landfills got there. Mm-hmm. And so we promise these people that, hey, if you'll just let us build this landfill that we're going to make a bunch of money on, we'll cover everything properly and make sure nothing happens. Well, that was the law then. Mm-hmm. And what we do in this state is we set up an entity that lies somewhere between the laws and the enforcement of the laws <laughs> to come in and allow people to get away with this to make more money, to let their buddies get away with mm-hmm. making a little more cash and doing things a little bit outside the lines. And that's what's happened with the landfills. We have ADEM, the Alabama Department of Environmental Management, which does not environmentally manage anything. Tiger. Oh, they're not toothless. They're working for the other people. They're, yeah. I mean, they're working for the other guys over here at this point. Yeah. And so they have for years been allowing landfills to cover this stuff up with tarps and other things. In some instances, they were using coal ash. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, <laughs> coal ash yeah. uh, to yeah. cover up garbage. Yeah. And to stuff. cover up garbage. Uh, yeah. and, and it was not working. And the people in the neighborhoods got sick of it. The people in the neighborhoods were actually getting sick, mm-hmm. you know, from the from the smell and the diseases and the rats and the thing, the feral dogs running around. And so they sued. Mm-hmm. And a court said, yeah, you know what? That's what the law says. The Alabama uh, Civil Court of Appeals, five-judge panel, looked, took a look at it and said, yeah, it's pretty clear. They've got to enforce this, and you can't let them get around it. Mm-hmm. So what do they do is they get a couple of their buddies in the legislature to say, hey, these laws – they're a little taxing on us. I know what we promised everybody, but couldn't you let us go ahead and get around them? And so, lo and behold, there are two bills, uh, one in the Senate, one in the House, to allow them to do just that. Tarps. To, to allow alternative covers. Tarps. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're going to let so, them. It's just. It, it, you know, ADM, man, I, I've, got, I've got issues with ADM that go 
you know, all the way back to what happened in Eight Mile down mm-hmm. there in Mobile. Uh, what's hap- What's been happening in Uniontown for years? Mm-hmm. ADM. What's I said, happening with our rivers right over here with three M and stuff? Right. I mean, it's with not not here in North Alabama. I mean, I, I use the term toothless tiger because I think. Um, when they're not, as you said, essentially uh, in bed with the very people they're supposed to be regulating, mm-hmm. they appear to be powerless uh, to do anything on behalf of the people uh, who's who they're supposed to be representing, you and me yeah. and, and, and the rest of Alabama. They appear to be powerless. So they're either powerless or they're just in bed with these other people. Oh, they're in bed with the other people. There's, I mean, they just you look at what they've done and it, and it's just – uh, it's just really nonsense. But to, to the idea that that these things take place, that you make these promises, that you go along with this stuff, that these people are believing in these things mm-hmm. that you're going to do, that these laws you're going to pass, you're going to uphold them, you're going to do all these things. And then you, you create these entities like ADM, like the Ethics Commission, like the uh, Public Service Commission, God help us, uh, you know, that are actively working for the people who they're supposed to be regulating. Right. You know, they're working in their defense and not in the interest of the public and the people who elect them. That is what drives me insane on a daily basis and it is what has led to the majority of our corruption in this state Uh, is uh, you know there's and it's always been my I guess my theory that there's so little money in the state of Alabama that whenever you have anybody come along that says hey I'll give you this for doing this it's so enticing to idiots I mean, it really is. I mean, some of the folks that are in the legislature, you I, you wouldn't trust them to watch your dogs. Right. I mean, you really wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't. Now, let's be honest about it. You know you wouldn't. I wouldn't trust them. I know them. I, and I mean, and listen, there are some good people there. There, there are even are. some good Republicans that oh, are yeah, there. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, I, know, you know, I know at least one or two. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It, but yeah. overall, it is, you know, this started under Hubbard where they went after these guys who were dumb and had no other options and they could control them and they knew they had no other options. Uh, and that's exactly what they've done. They've created this little army of people mm-hmm. that are so beholden to them and to the special interests that are there. Uh, that's why we're that's why we're in the shape we're in as we allow this stuff to happen. So that's and that's really where I wanted to take this. I mean, what can we do? What you cover the legislature every day. I'm 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 removed from that day. Mm-hmm. I don't do daily journalism and reporting anymore. Yeah. What do you think we ought to be doing? Oh, because something has got to change. It's simple. It's a simple solution. And and people think you gotta you gotta follow all this stuff and you just don't have time for it and all that. It's it you you don't. All right. What you need to do is you need to figure out what's important to you. Hmm. What is important to you in your life and your family? What's what matters to you? What are, you know, the schools in your in your right, area? Right. What your tax rates are? What you're paying for taxes? What your roads look like? Right. What things are taking place around you in your area with people who like you are in similar situations? Vote for your interest. Find you a candidate hmm. there that has a specific plan for the things that are, matter to you and your family. So you know what I'd like to see happen, Josh? I would like for some entity, and ideally, I think from my side of the aisle, it would be the Alabama Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. But if not them, then some entity ought to be specifically as it relates to this issue of 
and I'm, I'm not talking about the monuments now, but this issue of what's happening environmentally in our mm-hmm. state and, and this bill that's mm-hmm. coming up. Somebody needs to be building a campaign, a media campaign around that and just inundating the people of our state with the kind of information that will help them to see that by supporting candidates who support this, mm-hmm. you're assigning your own death warrant yeah. and know. the death warrant of your children. Yeah, yeah, and I, I just, you know, it, it, but it is simple for people. You know, yeah. I mean, most most of these candidates have a, have websites. You can go and you can look. And until we do that, it, it's it's not going to change. And uh, you know, we're going to be stuck in this situation. And uh, but listen, that's part of the reason why we're doing this podcast. You yeah. know, is is to to get information out to people, to let people know that there are other views out there, that there are people out there who will work for you, uh, who will who will go and care about the things that you care about. Uh, you know, and uh, and so I think. And who are not afraid of the facts. Yeah. We're yeah. not afraid of real information. Exactly. And yeah. that no one should be afraid of real information and no one should be uh, should be hiding behind obscure websites and general information. If that person won't answer, answer your phone calls and won't answer your questions with specifics, do not vote for that person because they don't have a plan for what interests you. That's right. That's all that matters. All right. We, we've run probably too long. But you know what? Listen, <laughs> we were on a roll. Uh, so we're going to be right back uh, with uh, with Senator Doug Jones in just a moment here. And till then, Josh Moon, David Person, Alabama Politics This Week. Hey, everybody. This is David Person. Hope you will reach out to me and Josh by email. Uh, here at the Alabama Politics uh, This Week podcast at aptwpodcast at gmail.com. That's aptwpodcast at gmail.com. All righty, we are joined now by Senator Doug Jones of Alabama. Hey, uh, Senator, how are things for you there now? With uh, you're here with me and, and David Person on Alabama politics this week. Just uh, wanted to to get things uh, see see where things are. I guess we we saw the fundraising numbers come out earlier today. Uh, things looked uh, looking pretty strong uh, for you, and and I, I just I guess I wanted to see how you kind of felt. Uh, heading into what's going to be a pretty contentious race uh, as soon as the uh, the Republicans in the state get finished beating up on each other. Uh, but j- just see how you felt about it. Well, first of all, thanks for uh, having me today. I really appreciate this. I'm glad you guys <clears throat> are doing this. I think it's an important, uh, going to be an important podcast going forward for, for folks. And so I really appreciate you doing it. Uh, you know, guys, I, I got to tell you, I feel very good about where we are uh, in this race, we are positioned, I think, uh, better than we had hoped to be. But the reason is because we have really stuck to our guns. We have done all the things that we said that I, I would do when I was running, and that is to look at how Alabamians uh, vote on on kitchen table issues. Their their jobs, their economy, their health care still is a big issue. We have been a really strong advocate for the people of Alabama. Now, not, not everybody agrees with every vote I take. I get that. But overall, you, people put, look at my record and they will see things that we have done in any number of areas, helping businesses, whether it is Huntsville, Mobile, Birmingham, small businesses. They see what we've been doing, trying to do for health care across the state to protect people 
with pre-existing conditions, how we're trying to work to get healthier mamas and healthier babies. And all of those things, I, I believe, position us in a great, really great, great spot. Fundraising has gone really well. And so we're just we're we're anxious to get going once we know who we're going to be running against. You know, I, I, you mentioned the 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 rural hospital uh, issue there, kind of kind of in passing, when talking about the the health of of mothers around the state, and I know that that has been important to you. And you know, there there are a number of polls out there, uh, even among Republican voters, uh, that show that that is a, an issue off the charts for them. That they're worried about the potential closures of these hospitals out there. Uh, in looking at it, what what can we do? What what have you done there in in the Senate to kind of help alleviate some of those issues? And what needs to happen going forward? Well, there are a number of things uh, that we've done, and there's a number of things we're trying to do. Uh, first of all, last year we were able to get the Medicare wage index changed, and that people may not know what that is, but it's the reimbursement formula for uh, doctors and hospitals when they treat a Medicare patient. Alabama had been at the low end of the of the wage index for many, many years. Our delegation for 20 years or more always, they would send letters and they would send letters and they would send letters and nothing happened across the administration. Last year, uh, Senator Shelby and Congresswoman Sewell and I decided to take the bull by the horns a little bit more and actually call a meeting and have the CMS, you know, person uh, administrator, Seema Verna, come over and meet with us and laid it all out for her. And that was, I guarantee you, it was an eye-opening experience for her when we showed her the hospital closings, when we showed her the amount of money and the fact that we could never pull up. And so last year they changed it. Uh, they changed it based uh, on what we were able to show and convince them. That's going to bring in 40 to $50 million every year. It's not going to keep these hospitals open, but it dang sure helps. The other thing that we've been trying to do is that we have been advocating so much for expansion of Medicaid. Josh, you know, as well as I do, Alabama lost out on billions of dollars. That's billions with a B over the last seven years by failing to uh, expand Medicaid when we had the chance with 100% reimbursement, then stepping up. And they did it mainly for political reasons because uh, the Affordable Care Act had uh, the, the name of President Obama attached to it and nobody wanted to do anything. So I've been a strong advocate for that, really pushing that. We've got a bill pending right now uh, in the Senate. Terry Sewell's got one in the House that would give states a, a second bite of the apple if we could uh, and, and have that 100 percent reimbursement. But there's, a, there's other things, too, that we're trying to do. We're putting money into rural broadband because telehealth is a growing um, is a growing way that we can help get people uh, health care that they need. It would be the routine kind of health care or some special screenings, not the be-all, the end-all, but the more we can do in these rural areas to get health care benefits to people, that's what we're doing. Teaching health centers, trying to get more docs. I've got bills pending about doing that. I've got bills pending to get more nurses. I mean, we're going right at the heart of the problem. Uh, as best we can, where, whereas it appears that the state of Alabama continues to just talk about it more than they do anything about it. Uh, Senator Jones, this is David Person here. Um, I, I really like what I'm hearing in terms of the, the very practical functionality that you're applying to governing. I mean, you're making sure that 
the basics, infrastructure issues and other things are happening so that people in the rural parts of our state can have the same opportunities that those of us who live in the cities have. I think that's phenomenal. But I also think it's ironic that the very people that you're working the hardest for, (laughs) I mean, let's just keep it real, Senator. These are more than likely the very people that are disinclined to vote for you. So what do you do from a messaging standpoint to help them to understand what you've been doing for them and, and, and why they should go with you as opposed to somebody like, let's say, for example, uh, Byrne or Tuberville, both of whom are pandering to the lowest basis common denominator when it comes to partisanship? Well, it's a it's a great question, Dave, and I, I it is something that we have been focusing on. But we're what what we're doing is we're going out there. You know, I've done town halls all over the state, and I'm going to be doing a bunch more. I've been in places like you know Aliceville down in Pickens County. I've been in Monroeville. I've been up in North Alabama and in Jackson and DeKalb County, and we're trying to get those messages out as best we can of what we're doing because. Those those town halls are so good for us because they're not just me telling people what I'm doing. We literally get so many great ideas that we take back uh, to Washington with us uh, to try to make sure we're doing the right things for folks. We're, we meet with people all the time with the local governments, the local chamber of commerce to get their needs for their infrastructure, their roads, their bridges, their schools. And our challenge is obviously going to be to get those get that message out there. But, you know. We were able to do that to a large extent in 2017. We're going to have the resources to do that now. If you look back over the, gosh, I guess almost 30, 40 year history of U.S. Senate races in Alabama, no one has really had the opportunity to get that message out except early on in 1986 and then again in 1996. And after that, they just haven't had the resources. We're going to have those. We're going to be able to get there and do that. And we know we're not going to win these counties. We know we're not going to win all of these counties, but that's not necessary uh, in order to get the message out. You narrow that gap a little bit and you get more people talking about what Doug Jones is doing in the Senate and the fact that Doug Jones is the person that's got their back, that I'm loyal to them. I'm not loyal to necessarily the president, a presidential nominee, or either political party. I'm really working for them that's the message I think will get out there and it will resonate so much more with the resources that we have. So you mentioned 2017, Senator, and that that brings to mind the fact that uh, by all accounts, African-American females were pivotal and were essential, actually, to uh, your victory. Uh, I, I, I noticed that you did, and I'm an HBCU grad, I noticed that you championed HBCU funding uh, this this past session, um, or last year, I guess it was. And as an HBCU grad, I really appreciate that. And I think that's a step in the right direction in terms of helping to retain and even expand the black vote, especially the black female vote. But I'd like to know what else you're doing to to ensure that you get the percentage of eligible black voters up because it's it's low. It's it's way but I think it's below fifty percent. And and what are you doing to get it up? Well it was it's it's been fifty percent or less across the board. We had a a high percentage as a as a percentage of the total electorate in twenty seventeen and we're gonna make that even higher this time. 
Because the one thing I've done is that I have not forgot those people that helped me get elected. And I've been back and forth into the black belt looking at areas. For instance, you know, healthcare is is a big issue there. It's not just the HBCUs. Healthcare and community health centers, um, telemedicine, those kind of things are important. We've been trying to get broadband into those areas that have been forgotten in the state of Alabama, put in a lot of money for grant monies and things like that in the budget that you can attribute directly to me. We've been going back. You know, one of the first things I did after getting elected, I took a tour of the Black Belt looking at the horrible conditions in so many places uh, for sewers and, and, and sanitary water. And the problem that we've had there is that people have just been neglected. So we put in a lot of grant monies, new programs to help people with their septic tank systems. I mean, down in some of those areas, guys, they, they're straight piping raw sewage, sewage into the woods because they can't get good sewage systems that need to, they have to be upgraded and they can't, their septic tanks are old, they're dilapidated, they need to be replaced. So we have been focusing on that as well. Been trying to work with a lot of the businesses to tell them to remember the, the areas like that. We're, we've been looking a lot. We've been back and forth a good bit, talking to those folks about their needs. And I, I think that that's resonating. Where we go, everywhere we go, we've got people talking about it and people are ready. I mean, we've been hearing now for six months or more that folks are ready to start putting out yard signs, knocking on doors, making the calls. And I said, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. We're still a good, <laughs> good bit away. But that I'll tell you, that excitement is still there. Yeah, it, it, I think it'll help a lot that you're undoubtedly going to be facing a crazy person, uh, no matter who it is. Uh, so that'll that'll go a long way. Uh, but uh, yeah, Josh, no. I, I'm gonna I, I'll, let me say this: I'm gonna, no matter who I'm going to be facing, I'm going to be facing someone that has cannot point to anything that they have done for those underserved communities in Alabama. That again, it's that us versus them mentality. And people now have seen it. They have seen what their vote can do in 2017, and they see what the results that we've been able to do for them. And the fact that you, whoever it is, they're not going to be able to point to very much at all, if anything, about what they've done for those underserved communities that we have been really trying to do to lift all boats in Alabama. Yeah, you know, it's 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 kind of disappointing to me, it, you know, and, and going back to kind of what you said about, you know, you're not going to be able to probably win some of those counties uh, there uh, that that we have. We're still kind of separated ourselves by race and, and that so many of the poor white people uh, in this state fail to recognize uh, the helpful initiatives that, that you have put forward, that you have managed to pass and that you have worked for them uh in, you know specifically for uh, there, and and yet they'll go out and and vote against their own interests. And, and honestly, I don't know how in the world you get somebody to not vote against their own interest. Uh, you know, it's it's. Let me let me take a little bit different approach, Josh, and I appreciate that, and yeah. I hear that a lot. But you know what? When we when somebody says they vote against their interest, it, it you really have to define okay, what you think their interest might be may not think what they believe their interests might be, because there are people in Alabama that have uh, so many religious beliefs, people of faith, and those are very important to them. And they would say to you, well, this is my interest. This is what I would do, even, even if it means I may not get as good a job or I might not have as good a wage. And so 
the way we approach that is this. We're trying to talk to people about those kind of things that helps build them up. And we want to try to not be defined by the things that people have defined Democrats for in the past. And you just get people thinking, because right now so many people have literally been conditioned because, and you've, <laughs> Josh, you've written about this as much as anybody, I think, the, the state of the Democratic Party has been such that folks have let people define them and they've never brought forth an alternative to say, hang on a minute there, we're there for you on an individual basis and we can agree to disagree about some things, but let's look at the things that are really important to you. That's the message that we're getting out there. And it's not going to resonate with everybody. At the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of people who still will will vote in a different way. But people are beginning to open their eyes and they're looking at to say, you know, where are things? Where are things going? How are things? Certainly race comes into play. But i got to tell you, wherever I go, I don't I don't get that sense uh, from folks um, the way some of the politicians on the other side of the aisle try to exploit it. I think people are beginning to see that, you know, we've got so much more in common than we have than divide us. And we've just got to talk about those issues. You know, I, I guess probably one of the things that will ultimately be, well, not probably, uh, definitely will be will be used, you know, to, to kind of uh, try to win some of those folks back over is uh, the impeachment vote. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that they're, it's kind of going to go with, to what you said. That a lot of people are going to allow the other side of this thing to define the reason you, you voted the way you did uh, against Donald Trump in, in that, in that vote. But I think, I think probably the best thing we can do here is to just at, to ask you, why did you vote that way? And, and to kind of explain your thinking and thought process that went into it. Sure. Um, happy to do that. And I would encourage people to get back on to YouTube or somewhere and, and look at the speech I gave on the floor of the United States Senate. You will mm-hmm. understand that from the very beginning of this, from the very, very beginning, early on, I ask people not to go into their partisan corners because I'm going to tell you, I've been a, I've been a lawyer for 40 years. I've done a lot of big cases. I've done a lot of whistleblower cases. I've represented whistleblowers. I've also represented people that whistleblowers were accusing of things. So when, when the whistleblower complaint first got summarized, I knew this was a very serious. This was not a witch hunt. It was not a hoax. This was going to be very serious. And we started working at that point. And I will tell you from the very beginning, I ask people not to make this partisan. I think, unfortunately, many Democrats in the House made it partisan, and certainly the president and his supporters made it even more partisan. And that was really unfortunate because, to me, I looked at this from strictly a constitutional standpoint and what the framers intended and what we and the only way that we can put into check a president who ultimately, I believe, abused the power of his office. You know, Josh, there was I've told folks there was one thing that came out in that in that trial that carried through the entire trial. It was just the it was just the the overarching theme. And that was when the president said in April of 2019 that there is Article two in the Constitution and I can do anything I want. Well, (laughs) he clearly thinks that now he thought that then. And from my perspective, after the evidence was fully completed. And and let me say this quickly before I get to it, that I really believe that we needed to have 
witnesses and documents. The president Mm -hmm. and his folks decided to block firsthand witnesses with firsthand information. They did not turn over a single document. It was unprecedented in the history of the United States that the executive branch of government acted that way. So I believe strongly that even though there was enough evidence to make a decision, that the American people, the people in Alabama who voted for Donald Trump, deserve to hear firsthand information, relevant documents to test the credibility of the witnesses, of the lawyers, and others. They continued to block that. So we had to make the decision on what it was. But at the end of the day, this was a president who, in my view, with regard to the Ukraine call and the Ukraine assistance in a White House meeting, he put his personal interest above that, the national interest. This was to help his political campaign in 2020. He withheld assistance. He withheld a badly needed White House visit. All of that goes, in my opinion, it is exactly what the framers of the Constitution had in mind when they wrote that impeachment clause. And I am yeah. ever mindful of people's right to vote. I am ever mindful that we should um, t- take very serious the fact that we might remove a president. But I also believe the framers of the Constitution um, put in there the impeachment clause because they saw a possibility that something like this would happen. And so my convictions, my faith, my oath of office to defend the Constitution and the separate oath of office to do impartial justice led me to the conclusion that I did. Uh, it's uh, That's over. It's done. I am concerned about what I'm seeing since then. But this was never about Donald Trump. This was always about the presidency and the future of the presidency, regardless of, of, of the political party that holds that office down the road. Uh, Senator, you're right. It, it was about the future of the presidency. It's also about the uh, the integrity and the veracity of the, the rule of law. So now we have to ask, with a president who is clearly flouting the very idea of a constitutionally guided democratic republic, what's next for us? What's next for us if this guy wins, but also what's next for us if he loses? Well, you know, look, I think that that America has to do a, a, a little bit of soul searching about what we want to see in, in the presidency going forward. And there are going to be a lot of people that are very supportive of Donald Trump, that like the way he's doing things, that like that very uh, assertive, uh, almost authoritarian view. And there's others that are going to be very concerned. I think we have to let this this election play out uh, and and and. Let the American people see firsthand the information about what happened uh, with the Ukrainian call is going to be front and center. It's going to come out what people are seeing now with the way he's treated those who are challenging him or that may have done the right thing by testifying and testifying truthfully and how that's working, how he's injecting himself into the um, Department of Justice. All of those are going to be issues and people are either going to accept it or they're not. So I, I'm still a, I still believe that there's going to be a good alternative uh, if people want to take it. Uh, the question is going to be down the road, how are we going to best position ourselves uh, in the United States to be once again the leader of the world? Right now, I think we've lost a significant amount of the moral authority that we've had in the world. I grew up in a time in the Cold War 
and Russia, uh, it was, was, was the Soviet Union. And they want to reclaim all of that right now. China is going, we've got threats around the world. They're just not domestically. We've got to make sure that we have that democracy in place, intact, with a Congress and a president who can work together. And it's just not my way or the highway. I believe that that is still going to happen. Uh, we're going to see how this goes, this election in 2020. But I can tell you from Alabama's perspective, uh, I'm going to be presenting an, uh, a candidacy and a Senate race in which I'm talking to the, straight to the people of Alabama about what I see wrong with what's going on in Washington and what I see right that's going on. And there are some things that we're doing and we have done in Washington right, but we'll go from there. All right. This is uh, Alabama Politics This Week with Josh Moon and David Person. That's U.S. Senator Doug Jones. Uh, do you have time for to stick with us after this break for one or two more questions? Uh, probably have time for one or two more. Sure. All right. Doug Jones is going to continue to be with us after this break. You're listening to the Alabama Politics This Week podcast with Josh Moon and David Person. Remember uh, to keep up with the podcast. You can go and follow us on Twitter at ALA This Week. That's uh, the at sign, ALA This Week on Twitter, or on Facebook, ALA This Week on Facebook. Uh, and also, I've shared that to my Facebook page. You can find it there as well. Thank you, guys. Welcome back to Alabama Politics This Week with Josh Moon and David Person. I'm David Person. Uh, we've got U.S. Senator Doug Jones with us. Uh, Senator Jones, we're glad that you were able to stick around for one or two more questions. I wanted to ask you about what's currently your what your current assessment is of the Alabama Democratic Party. You know, you were very involved in helping to move forward the change that took place last year in party leadership. I know there's still a lawsuit out there and some other loose ends. Uh, what's your assessment of where we are now and what's your prognosis for how things will be in this very crucial election year? Well, overall, I'm very positive about it. I think that people are so excited now to see a Democratic Party that is alive, <laughs> simply alive, <laughs> Uh, yeah. and, and it's starting to kick and it, we're starting to get messages out on social media and do the things necessary. We've had a very active uh, a primary coming up in front of Super Tuesday where we had, you know, at one point there were 17 or 18 presidential candidates who had signed up to be on the ballot. That's all really exciting. There is that. And I think if you look at what's happening with the party right now, it has been a very, very difficult process to try to get folks to 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 come into the 21st century, to not stay in the, the silos that they've had from 30, 40 years ago, and to let this party be the kind of diverse party that really represents the, not just the Democratic electorate, but the people of Alabama. So with Chris England as the chair, Patricia Todd as the new vice chair, it's an exciting time. We put on the most significant thing we did, in my view, was to add People on the state Democratic Executive Committee, like 48 of them, under the age of 36. And that, you know, young people are getting enthused. Young folks are getting engaged. 
uh, in party affairs, and that's incredibly important. Now, having given all the good news and the upbeat part of this, I have to say that this one, you know, frivolous lawsuit that's still hanging out there uh, is um, a little bit of a sticking point. And let me tell you guys what's going to happen if we don't get that resolved. And we've been trying to figure out, you know, we've been trying to tell the court, we've been trying to tell others, this thing needs to go away because at some point, Alabama is the only state that does not have an approved delegate selection plan. We're going to be going into the um, March 3rd primary and all of those delegates that win, all of the ones that are supposed to be put on afterwards may not matter. It may not have one whit if we don't have this delegate selection plan and the DNC is not going to approve this until we are in full compliance uh, with everything. The DNC's already recognized Chris and Patricia. Uh, they've recognized the new people that we put on there. But that delegate selection plan coming on to March 3rd is still hanging out there. And it, we're put every day that passes, Democrats in Alabama are at serious risk of not being able to participate in our presidential nominating process. Folks don't fully appreciate it or realize it, but this thing needs to end. But overall, guys, I've got to tell you, the day that we met in Montgomery and elected Chris England and Patricia Todd, and we put in, we put those young people, we put uh, new caucuses for LGBTQ, Hispanics, Asian Americans, we put all those folks on. That was just about as an exciting day as I've seen in the Democratic Party in a long, long time. Second only maybe to my election night. <laughs> um, it, it was it was really exciting. Chris is doing a Chris and Pat are doing a wonderful job. Uh, we've just got this one lawsuit that if we can just get over with, we're going to rock and roll. And the goal on this, and I, I've told people this, I was just on the phone with another uh, group of reporters. This, you know, we're, nobody thinks for a second we're going to flip the state from red to blue overnight. We may not flip it ever. But the fact of the matter is we have got to have a competitive party in Alabama in order for the state to progress, in order for people in Montgomery to sit up and take notice that they don't just represent their gerrymandered districts. There's a lot more people out there that they also represent. That's what I do on my campaign, but you don't see that in Montgomery very much, that they don't that they represent the entire state and one Alabama as opposed to their gerrymandered districts. So we gotta get folks, we gotta be competitive so that those folks sit up and take notice. And in that way the state can really move forward, I think, in a really positive way. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll get you out of here. Uh, I know you, you've got some other folks to to, to call, and uh, you know I I don't understand the lawsuit. I don't I don't I, I just it, it doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know what the end game even is, even if you win uh, th this lawsuit. But you know there there are still a large number of people that are on that other side uh, with you know with the folks at the ADC and people that are that are kind of backing that lawsuit. Exactly. And, exactly. and I, I wonder, you know, at a point, 
when it is, or maybe it has already happened, uh, you know, that, that the two sides, the leadership of the two sides there at some, in some way could kind of come together because at the end of the day, we, we are really all on the same side here. Exactly. You know, I mean, we, yeah, and I, I know, I know what has happened to the party and I'm not trying to advocate for those side because I think it's as absolutely as silly as you, as you have described. Uh, but I, I just, I just worry that, you know, that the splinter is going to be there uh, with a lot of folks on the other side there and, and we can't get them back in. All right. So Josh, let me, let me give you a, a, a little bit different view. Uh, okay. Cause I think this is coming from folks on the ground. I don't think you've got that many people that are pushing this lawsuit. Not at all. They've seen the outcome of what we were able to accomplish by redoing the party. And they're really on board. You've got a small, small number of people, small group of folks who are trying to cling to some power on, for something that they really never had. This is a small group of, of folks, whether it's ADC members or otherwise, because you recall when all this first started, this was all about race. And everybody accused Doug Jones and everybody else of trying to dilute mm-hmm. African-American votes. And we kept saying we did it nicely. I never got down in the gutter after being called all these names, but simply responded, no, that is not true. We're trying to add people. We're trying to diversify, but we're not trying to dilute or take away. Here's what happened. Uh, And 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 literally this has happened. When we went before we changed the bylaws and got new people in there, the state Democratic Executive Committee was right at 65% African-American, okay? Mm-hmm. 65%. We put 70 people on, and at, once we got them on, guess what that percentage was at the end of the day? 65%. <laughs> no dilution whatsoever. In fact, right. it, was, it, was, it was white folks that went down just a little bit uh, because we added Hispanics and others. And so all of the arguments that have been made make no sense. They went through all all of the processes of the DNC. Uh, and this has changed. And the best way to do this thing now is to basically acknowledge where we are with this party, a party that represents the people of Alabama, a party that has uh, a significant, the same significant African-American voter sh- voting strength on that party, uh, in the state party, uh, as it did beforehand. And to say, okay, maybe, maybe we jumped the gun on this. Maybe this, it, this was not going to be as bad as we said. And let's let Chris and Pat do that. Short of that, there's really not much that can be done. The DNC has made it very clear that the bylaws that were changed have been accepted. They meet the DNC uh, um, requirements. They have credentialed uh, Pat and Chris. In fact, Chris England, who is the first African-American chair of the party, uh, has been named a vice chair of the rules committee at the convention, which is a very powerful uh, committee. Right. So, you know, we have always, we have just not fought back in the same way others have because, and even the day that we uh, um, elected Chris and Pat, when I made some remarks, I said, folks, it's time that we move on, that we recognize that people that were in the party, Nancy Worley, Joe Reed, have contributed an awful lot to this party. And we need to recognize that, but we've got also got to recognize that it's a new day and that there is more to the party than the same leadership that we've had for so, so long. People are getting engaged. They want to get engaged. So the one thing I take uh, a little bit of, of, of um, contrary position with, I think there's a really small number of people 
that are that are are, are pushing this lawsuit. Very small number of people, and that but they just can't. Um, and, and overwhelmingly, people are ready to get out there for the party. They're ready to get out there for our nominees, uh, including me and whoever might be the nominees in our congressional districts and the president. Yeah, I, and I don't think that there's any question uh, the, of of how right y'all were and what took place here. I mean, it, it is a, a far more representative party at this point. Uh, and, and there's, I, I don't, I've never understood any of the arguments that, that the other side makes, but you know, I never understood how they were running the party anyway. So, uh, but that's, so it's, it's, I guess it's fair game, uh, you know, to, to say that, uh, uh, that this is, and this Josh, has moved in the right direction. Yes, sir. Let me, let me say this too. I, I want to add this because I want people to understand okay. this. This is not a process that happened overnight. This process has been going on over a year in the DNC. And there are so many things. Those new bylaws that got passed incorporated mm-hmm. so many things that, um, Dr. Reed and others wanted. Okay. Right. This was a, this was not just a, from our standpoint and my standpoint, it was never uh, my way or the highway. This was a process where you went through, there was even a mediation, a number of things that got incorporated into these new bylaws over the last year. You went through all of the processes. And when, and then at the end of the day, at the end of the day, there were people that boycotted legitimately called meetings and decided not to participate. Well, they, they made a choice. And now these, <laughs> these bylaws are there. They have been accepted, but they incorporated so much, so much of, of um, what was originally thought to, to, to help try to get the, the sides together. But every time that that happened, folks just dug in a little more. And at some point, you've just got to get this party changed. I guess my concern, Senator, is, uh, and I hear everything you and Josh are saying, and I think you've got very, very valid points, and there are reasons to be concerned about, uh, you know, what was happening with the party then versus the direction it's moving in now. But I also think, as you said, the legacy of Joe Reed is significant, and it has to be honored. And I wonder whether or not you end up ultimately undermining your own efforts to unify the party if we don't find some way and when I say we I I mean you as party leaders not me because I'm not a party leader at all but if the party leaders don't find some way to affirm that legacy so that you don't have a sizable percentage of black democrats in the state of Alabama you know if not uh, overtly um, you know, challenging the party, uh, at the very least, sort of benignly turning their backs and not voting but, and not and not but, participating. But Dave, Dave, remember, yeah. but remember what I just said. Mm-hmm. We were accused of trying to dilute black voter strength, and that did not yeah. happen. So yeah. all of the things that have been leveled about about this change is just not true. It's just not true, and has never been. That goal. The goal has been to expand the party uh, beyond what we were without giving any kind of uh, dilution like that. And remember what I said, too, about the process that went on. There were any number of opportunities, things that were done to incorporate, to make sure we do that, including this. We've settled this and, 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 and 
Dr. Reed is still the vice chair of the minority caucus. He is still the vice chair. Nothing was touched with the minority caucus. There were people added on that were Dr. Reed's ADC people. Those were not touched. So the fact of the matter is none of the arguments that have been leveled at the folks that work to seek these changes has proven to be true or accurate. And so the so at the end of the day, Dr. Reed's legacy is complete. It's there and it will remain there and it should. But that doesn't mean that someone can just come in and take and, and remain control of a party that was not functioning. And this is much more representative. And I and we're I also believe, having gone around this state a lot, that there are so many people in this state ready to move forward, acknowledging the legacy of folks, but moving forward with a much more representative um, uh, party. That's where it, it happens. And I just disagree with you, I guess. I just don't think that there is going to be at all any kind of backlash. I think, in fact, people are going to be more excited about working for a Democratic Party that they know is responsive to the Democratic Party and not necessarily separate factions within the Democratic Party. Yeah, and, and I'll say, too, uh, you know, I, I don't know that there could be much more harm done to, to Dr. Reed's legacy than he was doing with the status of that party. Uh, you know, the state of that party and the, and the hits it has taken over the last decade uh, was it had really made him a target for for everybody around the state. So I don't know, but I, I'll, I'll say this: no matter your view uh, of what what took place here, I think we are left with a much more functional party. We are left with a party that can go forward and challenge some people in some races. We are left with a party that has uh, funding that it has never had uh, in, in in at least the recent past, uh, and I think that, that that's a good thing to go forward on. Uh, and and let's. And listen, uh, Senator. I know we have we've kept you long, much longer than we had intended, uh, and we I appreciate all of it. I, I hope you had a good time. Uh, you know, this is, uh, and and we do appreciate you coming on. And, and let me just say before you, you get out of here that uh, no matter what happens uh, from here on out, and in November, uh, it's the first time in my lifetime that I have had a senator in the U.S. Senate that I could be proud of, uh, of his mm -hmm. votes, of the things that he's done, Agreed. and the things that he stood Agreed. for. And, yeah. and I do appreciate what you've done there and how you've represented us and, and really appreciate you being on this first podcast with us. Well, guys, it's been my pleasure. I hope to do it again. I am so excited that we've got this voice out there for for folks in Alabama. You're going to find that this is going to be a lot more popular than what you, you might have thought originally. Uh, because there's people out there that want to hear these voices, that want to see what's going on, that want to see this party progress and move forward. Um, and they're getting excited about um, the races in March, and they're getting excited about races in November. So thank you very, very much, and I look forward to doing it again. All right. Awesome. Thanks, thank Senator. You. We appreciate you. Bye-bye. All righty. That was uh, Senator Doug Jones uh, here on Alabama Politics this week. We're going to slide out of here and uh, we'll be back to wrap this thing up.
righty, welcome back in to Alabama Politics This Week. You know, I've kicked around calling this thing APTW, but there's one letter too many. It's yeah, like, it, it should be it like is. APW, APT, right. or, but then, then you get into Alabama Public quite, Television. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Alabama Public TV, or what's going right, on? Right, right. Uh, yeah, I did want, before we get out of here, though, yeah. uh, you know, one of the things we, we need to do each week is, is because we're on weekly, we can do a, 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 a right-wing nut of the week. Mm. That's what I think we should do. All right. Uh, and, and because really, I think the best way to stamp out idiocy is to expose it to yeah. people and, and to uh, you, you can shame them just by exposing it uh, most of the time. And, and maybe people will think better of themselves next time. Usually that does not happen uh, with our Republican <laughs> colleagues, our friends. And uh, they usually That's never so uh, they never think better uh, or, or do better or improve. But. On the off chance that someone might. Mm-hmm. So so we had a couple of candidates. Uh, we kicked around some locals. And listen, this is not always going to be an Alabama uh, yeah. person here because they're uh, – sometimes I think it's helpful to remind people that we do not corner the market on idiots uh, here. Uh, we got a, we got our fair share. We got more than our fair share, okay? But there, there, there are some others scattered around. Uh, and, and our friends to the north in Tennessee uh, really – and, and my my wife will appreciate this since she's from Tennessee. Uh, I, I know she thinks I, I'm doing this on purpose, but <laughs> there were a couple of nominees from the state of Tennessee over no, last no. week. Uh, one uh, was a gentleman who for weeks now has been pushing a resolution uh, there in the Tennessee House to proclaim uh, that the, the state of Tennessee would officially recognize uh, Washington, the Washington Post and the New York Times as fake news. Mm. Fake news. That's the fake news mm. resolution. All right. So he's a strong contender for right wing note of the week. Okay. Yeah, and, and I want to say why, because I mean, a lot of people may think, well, what's, you know, what's the big deal? He, you know, he's, he's got a right to his opinion and he does. Mm-hmm. But why in the world would a state legislator utilize state resources and state time that could be better put to you to dealing with you know, issues related to the health and well-being of the people of his state. Oh, God, I ask that question every day. You know, every and, day. and then he's instead he's spending it on that. Mm-hmm. You don't you know, he can put that out on social media, have his say and be mm-hmm. done with it if that's what he wants to say. Oh, well, he's got to be like Trump, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, he wouldn't be able to be like Trump if you didn't do these things and, mm-hmm. and waste this amount of time. Because this is and this is my big problem with it, this. This moron could run around saying whatever he wanted to say to whoever he wanted to free say. Free speech. Uh, free speech and, and all that. Uh, my problem, my issue that I take with this is that it is wasting state resources and state exactly. time. Uh, it is wasting a literal money for exactly. the state for them to, to entertain this nonsense, That's for them right. to print the bills and, and to do whatever else they That's do with right. it. All right. It, it is wasting money mm-hmm. to do this. And it means absolutely nothing to anybody. That's right. Um, whoever's going to be, whoever's going to agree with him. Yeah. Well, they're already agreeing with him. Mm-hmm. Whoever's not going to agree. It's not his saying that yeah. it's not going to change their nothing. minds. Nothing at all. And, and I, state resources isn't going to change. And the idea with all of the ridiculous websites that are out there that yeah. you need to label these two as fake news. It's Single just, them out. I mean, yeah. get out of here. Yeah. But so having said all that, it would take a monumentally strong and counterproductive <laughs> attempt uh, or and just really idiotic uh, sort of statement to overcome 
the fake news resolution, I think. And I think that the, um, <laughs> do you I have think a nominee? I do. I, I believe Representative Chris Todd from also from the state of, uh, of Tennessee okay. has, has managed to do it. So also this week there was another and we could probably call this one a useless resolution as well, although it was mm-hmm. well intended. Uh, this one was intended to honor the beauty of Tennessee's Cumberland Plateau uh, and to just recognize it in, in the state uh, for its beauty and its standing and, and to possibly use this this recognition uh, to attract tourists uh, to come there and spend their money and and to see the beauty that is Tennessee. Hmm. Representative Chris Todd opposed this resolution. And he opposed it. He opposed it. He opposed it because... In the resolution, uh-huh. in recognizing the Cumberland Plateau, uh-huh. it also recognized the Cumberland Plateau's age of 500 million years. And, and Representative Chris Todd does not believe the earth is that old. Right. Because in the Bible, or according to his religion, yes. it's not yeah. nearly that old. Yeah. In the Bible, you know, I, I guess in his view, Jesus was riding dinosaurs. And here we are. Well, so he, so Jesus riding dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. That's funny. So here it is. Um, there are a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I think well-meaning and intelligent people who believe in the biblical calendar or the biblical calculation of, of the creation of the earth. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who are intelligent and who are well-meaning who don't. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it seems to me like it's a colossal waste of time to get caught up in some debate about something that nobody can substantiate. You know, well, they people, can substantiate. Well, when I th- this is what I mean when I say substantiate. I mean none of us were there at whenever the earth was created. Mm-hmm. So people of faith who decide that they believe in the literal uh, you know, calculations or the literal uh, timeline of the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing that by faith. They weren't there. The people who are, who are, who are Christians who take another point of view, you know, they weren't there either, but neither were the people who, and this is just my opinion, mm-hmm. neither were the people who say, well, it was a 10 million years or 500 million years, you know, so it, to me, it's all sort of a, why are we even having an argument about it? What, what does it, matter well i think i think the, what does it change well it doesn't necessarily change anybody's lives except for the fact that you know we do have scientists that work on these sort of things sure. and they can use carbon dating to, sure. to date back the earth and then we know that the dinosaurs were back millions of years ago sure. and and were roaming the earth and so i think uh, uh when we get into this listen i don't you are free to believe whatever you and that's believe. my point okay. that's exactly my point but when, believe whatever you want to believe but i think when someone puts forward a resolution that uh, that honors, say, the Cumberland Plateau, and they use the scientifically uh, calculated age of 500 million years. If you don't know, I mean, we're, listen, we're fine with you saying, listen, this is what I believe because right. this is my faith. Right. But, you know, come on. You know what I mean? And so I, well, I think it's a. Uh, well, I think it's a. I mean, to me, it doesn't. The resolution is just a statement. It's a proclamation of mm-hmm. belief. 
you know, if he doesn't want to, if he doesn't want to vote for it, he doesn't have to. But I think that it does. Again, it just seems like a waste of energy for him to make this big production about, well, I don't believe this and here's why. And okay, all right, you don't believe it, you don't believe it. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people, you know, scientists as well as lay people that share his point of view. There are a lot of creation scientists out there. And there are also a lot of scientists and people of faith who don't share that point of view yeah. and who embrace, you know, the idea that the, the, the that carbon dating and, and, and all of that is exactly accurate. I just what 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 just continues to perplex me is why we invest so much energy in in something that none of us were around for. Not only were we not around for it, our grandparents and our great grandparents weren't around for it. Yeah, you know, we just I mean, okay, believe whatever you want to believe. I don't care. Right. Well, I don't. I don't think. But at a point, it, for a lot of these people, I don't think it is a belief sort mm-hmm. of thing. It is, you know, this is this is science. This is what the, the facts of science say, and and here is what we're doing. Uh, regardless, uh, this is, uh, you know, we're probably not going to solve the world's science issues and debates today. Right. Uh, you know, but uh, right. I think that's uh, I think that's where it was, and, and that's, you know, to, to me, to hold up the, you know, to hold up the whole resolution. It's a, red- I, and that's my point. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you don't have to do that yeah. in order to, you know, state your case. Yeah. You know, you can state your case now more than ever. Go on social media, say whatever you want. <laughs> exactly, I do that often. Uh, and and we're speaking of which, you can uh, you can follow me on social media at uh, Josh underscore Moon. You on the Twitters? I do not tweet. You don't tweet. I oh do not man, tweet. no. I, uh, you well, you can find me. There. I'm on Instagram. Instagram. Well, yeah, what's, on what's the name? Uh, I've got to look that up. Okay, you go right ahead. Uh, while while you're doing that, you can also find me uh, on my Facebook page, or you can find the uh, Alabama Politics This Week Facebook page at ALA This Week. Uh, that's also the same spot for the Twitter uh, feed uh, for the podcast is ALA This Week. Uh, you get us there, or you can send us an email. And really, send us an email. Uh, you know, if you have some ideas for the right wing nut of the week, if you want to nominate somebody, you just want to talk <laughs> about that. people, or that. you just want to tell us about the podcast, or give us some idea for guests or you know if you'd like to send us some money you know you go ahead we'll, we'll, we'll set up a cash app or a venmo and you can send it right on in uh, by, by, uh, by instagram is david.person.391 david.person.391 yeah david.person.391 that's right. what instagram is telling me yeah follow follow uh, follow david over on instagram and you can get me on my facebook or twitter uh and if you'd like to email the show aptwpodcast at gmail dot com aptw podcast at gmail.com look forward to hearing from you listen to the extended first episode here uh, we're we don't get paid enough to go this long every time <laughs> so, so but uh, we will be back next friday take uh, keep an eye out for us until then thank you guys for listening take care